In his novel, Don Quixote, Cervantes warns his readers about the perils of reading too many books. Cervantes wrote that his hero so buried himself in his books that he spent the nights reading from twilight till daybreak and the days from dawn till dark. And so from little sleep and much reading, his brain dried up and he lost his wits. That was 1605, <laughs> about 400 years before anyone heard of an iPhone. We, <laughs> we take a kinder view of reading these days. In fact, many of us see our kids playing video games or watching TikTok videos from dawn till dark, and mm -hmm. we'd love for them to read a bit more. But how do we get them to do that? Hi. And welcome, I'm Paul Acey, who's filling in for Adam Holtz on this episode of The Plugged In Show, our weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Today, we'll cover how to encourage our kids to turn away from the screens and crack open a good book. Or if that won't work, at least use their screens to read a good book. And then we'll talk about an actual novel, The Flames of Hope, the 15th installment in the best-selling Wings of Fire series, and whether this book and series is suitable for your kids or not. Did, did you catch what he did there? Cover. Cover. See, that was... We're going to cover I wondered why that. he paused, but so, I, I know. Yeah. I was hoping for more raucous You're laughter so that, but it just Man. didn't We didn't hee-haw, but we noted. <laughs> we noted. <laughs> full points, full points. My esteemed panel of exports includes our own book editor, Bob Hoos, a man who literally wrote the book about screens in your pocket, Jonathan McKee, and mother and voracious reader, Kristen Smith. Hi. Welcome. Voracious reader. Thank you. Yeah, voracious right? I know. Reader. What a title. Voracious. I don't even know how you read voraciously. I, I want to try <laughs> As it. a mother. I was just going to say, yeah. and Kristen Smith, but I decided to. Thank no, you, Paul. No, that it. was kind. <laughs> I'm not kind enough to you on all these podcasts, but I take that. Thanks. That's awesome. So to begin our podcast today, I wanted to ask you uh, a very fitting question for this particular podcast. Yep. What fiction book, not nonfiction, but fiction mm -hmm. book has influenced your life the most, has changed you the most? Okay, Good I'm going to answer this question, but not the way you want me to, per usual. <laughs> of course. I don't think the most is, that's like such a heavy It yeah, is a heavy is. word. Yeah. So I would just like to say a book that has influenced me. Sorry to change your question, Don't but know. I will answer <laughs> I think Man. The Kite Runner. If anyone has ever mm. read The Kite Runner, um, I remember reading it. I don't even remember the first time I read it, but it was wildly impactful. All of those books, by the way, um, I think it's A Thousand Splendid Sons and then The Mountains Echoed. I've read all of them. I have all of them. They're very, very good. Um, but I did read it to my senior class when I was a teacher, and every almost every one of them loved it, and I just considered that to be a success. So, wow. Yeah. You did go. you, when you say you read it to your class? I read it aloud. How cool is yeah. that? So we worked through like the series, but yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I shouldn't say the series, all the books. But anyway, continue. Um, I would say, you know, when you pose that question about what was the most impactful, I think I had just hearkened back to one of the first books that really touched me emotionally. Mm. And that would be Of Mice and Men. Oh, yeah. Steinbeck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was something about that book that, I mean, I was teary-eyed at the end, and it just really hit me emotionally. And then, and then the theme there of, uh, of friendship and a shared dream and, and how those kinds of relationships make life meaningful. I mean, there was something really, in, in, it really did hit me. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. That's good. And, you know, and that makes me think it's funny because uh, since Kristen, you know, detoured from the question voraciously, um, <laughs> voraciously. The, uh, the, I think we can make everything she does today be voracious. That's um, a good the, idea. Uh, 
But uh, I, I can't help but think of when my son was reading the book where the red fern grows yeah. um, and and he came in he'd kill me telling the story but he was it was like 20 <laughs> years ago it was when he was he was like i mean 10 or whatever and he was he was a voracious reader he would read all the time and he came in and he was literally sobbing yeah and he just came to mom and he was like oh it's just it's just so sad and then he just and he sat there and talked with me and mom you know just sat there and he was like he was really impacted not just by the sadness but he had grown to love the story and i remember as a kid oh. definitely having some books that uh did that with me and i really felt that but uh, as an adult i'm gonna actually say a series of books um the, there's this author cj box this who is very clever books. of you to get into books i'm impressed it's just very voracious of me and um the, <laughs> it, it, it uh cj box write these books uh he does has this one series about a game warden in wyoming who uh, basically figures out these mysteries. And the thing I love about it, it's just, it's more unique than anything I've read before because he's like, that is he's, interesting. he's not your typical hero. He stumbles upon stuff. He's not a good shot. He can't win a fight. He can't, <laughs> but he's just got integrity. He loves his family and he does. And the more I read the book, the more I want to move to Wyoming and the more I want to get in the, the more I want to get in the outdoors. Uh, the more I want to see, you know, uh, antelope and uh, elk and everything. I mean, it's honestly, I just, I can't wait till the next one comes out every time and I read it voraciously. <laughs> That's the amazing thing about books, isn't it? Because they yeah. really draw you in these worlds way uh, more, even yeah. than, yeah. Than, yeah. than movies or TV shows. They really pull you in and they make you want to be there. They do, yeah. Well, you live in a book. Yeah. You do. You do, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But first, I have to give my choice, and I am going to say, you know, I, I've mentioned the Silver Chair before, so I'm not oh, going to say so that. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. They're all good. Chronicles of Narnia, the Silver Chair, that yes. probably is the book that I would answer. But since I've used that for another question, I'm going to say Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment. Wow, that's very philosophical gonna say that, of you. And I held it off. <laughs> really? I'm so glad you did. I literally was did. that because in high school it was one of my favorites. Wow. It's a really, really good book. And by Russian novel yeah. standards, it's actually reasonably short. Not that depressing? <laughs> well, it is reasonably kind of depressing. Yeah. Yeah. It's only this thick. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's about this guy who, who decides, he rationalizes the idea of murder. He decides to kill yeah. this pawnbroker, uh, thinks, you know, she's a terrible person. I'm going to take yeah. all of her stuff, do great things with it. He succeeds. And the rest of the story is really talking about how he processes that yeah. that act. Wow. You know? uh, it's really heavy duty. It gets very spiritual in places, but it talks a lot about guilt and confession and what punishment really can mean. Um, I, ugh, it's so good. Just talking about it makes me want to read it again, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll have to set aside another couple of months just to do that and nothing sure. else. <laughs> so obviously books can be incredibly influential, but studies show that people aren't reading as much as they used to. Yeah. According to a Gallup poll done last January, the average American starts at least between 12 and 13 books a year. But that's four huh. books less than people were reading just five years ago. That even sounds generous. It really does. Yeah. And I, I think that people tend to lie about their reading just to make themselves sound yeah. smarter. Yeah. So when you're talking about reading, I mean, it could be reading yeah. your kid's Good Night yeah. Moon. Right. You know? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> wait, 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 reading wait, wait, wait. Yeah, did, did I hear that correct? Did you say the average is the 12 average or 13? The average American starts between 12 and 13 books a year. But that doesn't feel yeah. true. 
It doesn't. Yeah, it no, feels that, high. That's to me. including Go Dog Go. Yeah, for exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so we acknowledge that even though the the rates are going down, um, people aren't reading as much as they used to. Why is it so hard to sit down and read a good book? Okay, I'm gonna say, as a mom with three little kids, my youngest is four months. I am exhausted. This is a plea <laughs> yeah. for help. No, um, I'm tired, and so when I sit down. The idea of using my brain again sometimes mm-hmm. feels overwhelming, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I know it shouldn't be that way. Books are typically an escape. And when I find a really good novel, I would say that I choose it over TV any day. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. there is a dedication to getting started. And there is something mm-hmm. about taking the remote, turning it on, and just zoning out, even if you don't watch what's in front yep. of you. Because yep. typically, you're scrolling on your phone, even though something's on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a dedication to it. And I, I think that's, for me... The idea of sitting down and dedicating time to do it. I do it, but man, it's really a discipline. That's absolutely correct. I would also say that um, I think we're being programmed. Now, again, I don't want to just be a a naysayer (laughs) about, about this technical world that we live in, but I think we're being programmed away from reading, away from a variety of things. Okay, let me put it this way. We all, I think we've all accepted that video games, for example, mm-hmm. video games program us to play video games. Mm, they yeah. do. I mean, they, they're designed to give us those rewards that bring us back it's over a dopamine and hit. over. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think the internet in general is a giant video game because it's filled up with these little things that dance in front of our eyes, these little sugar plum fairies that keep us entertained mm-hmm. and keep us coming back over and over and over again. And those, and in a way, it dumbs us down because we get so used to these, like you were saying, these little, these little images that we don't have to do anything but just sit back and look at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. It, it takes a little effort to get into a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I there is something because it's funny. I mean, if you honestly ask me what I prefer, I think I prefer sitting in this one really comfortable lazy boy recliner I have and and, <laughs> and immersing myself in a book. I really do almost prefer it, but I, I found something. If my mind is stirring and thinking about things and kind of if I got a lot of pressures and stuff going, I can't read. I'll stare at the same page to I, I my mind wanders. But for some reason, if I flip on a movie or something like that, I'm like, ah, uh, and, and, I, and I, I can be dumber. I don't know what it is. And it, it somehow distracts me more. And so yeah. I just kind of know if it's a reading night or if it's a, if I'm like too tired and my mind is, is thinking about uh, stuff I've got to do and whatever, and I need to escape, I, I turn on a screen. Um, mm-hmm. But if I'm truly more at peace and I've got my ducks in a row, I know I could sit down and enjoy a book. I don't know. Maybe and it's I, just and me. And I, th- I think a lot of us are in that same camp. Yeah. There are some studies that show, I think, to relate this, um, that if you have like negative thought patterns, mm-hmm. it takes actual work to reverse that, right? Like the br- your brain waves. There has to be a reprogramming of your brain towards yeah. positivity. I would say mm-hmm. the same thing when it comes 
comes to technology because of the dopamine hits, because they create it in such a way that it gives us those snippets that allow us to disconnect quickly. Um, This, it really is a discipline. And I know I I can, I can almost like hear my brother listening to this and getting so annoyed as I'm talking because he used to get so mad because I would come home from college and shut the TVs off and the Xbox off. I'm like, everybody read. You will be intelligent. And he got so annoyed. But I think because of that, because this started years ago, right? There is something to be said about limiting screen time, not for the sake of being um, a dictator, but because you want to instill good habits in your children. And being a good reader is a great habit. Yeah. It yeah. really is. It, it's fascinating. Yeah. What we've we've talked about so far is really books are work. Yeah. It takes work to actually sit but, down. It's rewarding work. But what, yeah, you tell me, and you guys tell me, what are the rewards then? Yeah. So for mom and dad listening going, well, why should I do this? What are the rewards that kids gain from reading? So what I would say to that, Mr. Hoos, would be, <laughs> would be to, it's really because it's an active form of entertainment, right? We've talked a little bit about the passivity of the entertainment mm. that we tend to consume, the movies, the TV shows, the video games. They're all a little more passive. Reading a book is active. You have to lean forward right. as you're reading. You have to concentrate. And because of that, as we've talked about, just even in our icebreaker, it draws you into the story more. It makes it more real, even <laughs> even though you're actually just reading, you know, black and white words on a on a black and white page. It also increases your vocabulary yeah. and it helps you to yeah, become a better speller. Yeah. And so yeah. I, like yeah. as a teacher watching my students that honestly said, like, I don't read books as if that's like some sort of token of like, <laughs> like, ha ha. Um, they struggled more in those areas. And I yeah. would say that I have learned to read and to become a good speller and writer and I don't know, I guess creative thinker really from yeah. reading so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we were talking about how easy it was to slip into a movie or something of that nature. The fact is that when you're in a book, it is far more immersive. Mm-hmm. Yes. You really are in there mm-hmm. And you're in these people's lives, and you're living their lives. And, and in a very positive sense, that helps you emphasize with those people. Mm-hmm. You, you emphasize with their, with their thoughts, their feelings, their beliefs. And that's a very positive, I think, for... Could for, be a negative. But, yes, but it's also a very positive aspect to get kids thinking about other people, about outside worlds, yeah. outside feelings. And, uh, and so, you know, there's another plus. Well, I would say every child is different, right? Yeah. Like I am a firstborn, probably type A, very typical, and I really enjoy those things. I like the success of completing something. My husband, for example, has ADD. And he's talked to me before. You know, he's going to school. He's an engineer. He's doing all these things. He doesn't really have time for like the relaxing portion of life. <laughs> but he, I've, I've encouraged him, like, why don't you get into fiction? He's like, you don't understand. Because of the way my brain is wired, if I get into this, it is a whole world for me. Mm-hmm. Like I can't coming out of it. He's like, I just, I feel all the things too much, too heavily. And it's just not good for me right now. And I would say pros and cons, right? Right. I mean, a book can become an addiction and that's why you should watch what you are reading. It's all balanced. Yeah. Right. 
Right. Absolutely. But talking to your husband's point, sure. I can't read fiction at night anymore because if wow. I do, I will actually spend the entire night reading. reading. Oh, I do too, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as we talk about this, we, we talked a little bit about how it takes a little more effort to get into a book. How do you encourage your kids to get into a book? Do you have some practical nuts and bolts advice to help draw your kids into a good read? I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I'm going to start off again. Um, <laughs> we like you talking. We do. So I would say, okay, from a parent's perspective, again, my oldest is five. So this is probably going to be like, who cares if you have teenagers? But I think choosing something, really knowing what your kids like is important and offering them material based on their interests. So I would pick up just about anything and give it a shot and read it. Hmm. Um, as long as the writing is solid, that bothers me if it's, they're like a terrible writer. Uh, but I would say giving them stuff that they're interested in. And then, so for Christmas, I used to ask for gift cards to bookshops. It drove my parents nuts. <laughs> they're like, don't you want like a gift? I'm like, no, I want, leave me alone. And I wanted to like wander aisles by myself and pick out all my books, right? But if that, if your child, let's say they're more inclined towards sports, get them a book about sports. My son likes ninjas. Okay, well, I'm going to try to find <laughs> like books about that and, and not shame it as something like rich literature is important, but it's also good for them to just have fun. Yeah, yeah. And start early. Yes. You know, don't worry about how young is too young. No, just as soon as you can show your child a book, start paging through pictures. You can read with your kids. Mm. You can read with your kids all the way up through elementary school if you want to or, or beyond. The fact is that the more you read with them and take the time to get into fun books, yeah. the more you can help transfer that love of books to them. I was also going to say, uh, you know, get your kids to the library. You know, I used to love this as a kid, and my kids actually loved taking them to library. We'd do these library trips, and uh, everybody would walk out with a handful of books. And we didn't really, kind of like Kristen said, we, we weren't really like, okay, let me see each of these books. You know, we, we were just happy that they went and they looked. And, and I tell you, when it comes to research, it really helps when they're not just going to Google for research, <laughs> but they know actually how to navigate a library. And and uh, anything you can do to, you know, because I'm more, uh, the one thing I tell parents at my parent workshop more than anything else now is, is instead of trying to you know, find things to say no to, find things to say yes to, find things that occupy them that are positive things. And the more we can, you know, go to a library and find some stuff of interest. And then, uh, you know, if you have one rule at night, it's, you know, screens off at 8 p.m. or whatever, yeah, you know, keep them, out, keep them out of the bedrooms. If, if no other rule, just have that one. And it's amazing how much kids will turn to books or conversation. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> before, before we leave the library idea, because I think it's a great one, taking your kids to the library. I just wanted to throw one little idea in. Um, my son-in-law uh, is a big fan of books and has been uh, taking my granddaughter to the library, but he also makes an adventure out of it. Yeah. So instead of jumping in the car and driving, for example, he'll take her up to the corner and get on the bus Oh. And take the bus to the local library. What a fun dad. And then, you know, they'll <laughs> get their books and get back on the bus and go home. And so it becomes this yeah. this huge adventure, a time out, a special thing with dad. Two asides. One, I love the library as practically as a mom that has to think about 
remembering all the books to take back, it is stressful. So I prefer to take my kids to like, it is. I prefer to take my kids to like bookstores where it's like half price or something and be like, go have fun. Like I, I'll, oh, I'd rather buy it bookstore. for you. Yes, yeah. used bookstore. Used yeah. bookstores are awesome. They are. I wanted to add just a couple other things to that. And we've touched on, on them a little bit. But in some ways, it again comes back down to the parents. You know, you've we've talked a lot about reading out loud to your kids. Mm-hmm. Start reading out yep. loud to your kids mm-hmm. very, very early. Those those are some of my most precious memories with my own kids. You know, just reading them whatever. I can still recite some of the books that they had me read. Hand, hand, mm. fingers, thumb, one thumb, one thumb, drumming on a drum. But <laughs> sounds like a cultish book. <laughs> That's right. But I also think. <laughs> know what that is <laughs> they would all read it around a campfire <laughs> chant and <laughs> stomp the ground but i also think in this area just as it is with screen time we have to set good examples for our kids if your kids see you reading they will be more likely to read yeah, right yeah. yeah yeah so i think that those are really important things that that again the onus unfortunately falls on parents sometimes to show to set a good example yeah and i think too like not just for books but again my 5 year old he loves dirt bikes and so we have gotten a few dirt bike magazines my husband <laughs> has bought these uh, and brought them home and we'll go through them. And he is so into it. And he wants me to read every little aside. I'm talking like there's a little line and some words. He's like, what does that say? What does that mean? And he's learning to read himself. That's and cool. He's very into it. And so I think like just being open to, okay, like this is reading. Of course, yeah. it would be nice if they like wanted to like fiction or nonfiction or literature, but it, it counts. No, no, you just got, and you got to be excited that they're reading. I mean, when my mom would take me to the library uh, and she said, get 12 books, I had 12 books on sharks. I mean, and that was it. There were a tw- and I would, I, I literally could not read enough about sharks. Right? And now I'm irritating because I could tell you every fact that's okay. about Th- sharks. That's alive. actually a great yeah. character. You're a learner, right? So kids that's are fun. being, they're learning in so many different ways. I love absolutely. That. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much. I think we'll bring it in for a landing right there. Um, that was a great conversation. Thanks, guys. Thanks. You bet. So clearly, I think most of us think that books are kind of important, pretty cool, and on balance, a good thing. Yep. Uh, but it kind of depends on what kind of books your kids are reading. I suppose right? you're right. Yes. Uh, lots of kids are reading the series Wings of Fire, uh, which has sold more than 14 million copies. But as I gathered from reading your book review, the series has a few problematic elements in it. Well, you know, it's something of a, of a fan favorite, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it really is a very popular series because it's a fantasy. It's a children's series. Mm-hmm. And it's a fantasy world filled with dragons, primarily, and humans. You know, little hu- <laughs> pet, pet-like humans pet that are like around, humans. too. So these dragons are huge. Yeah, they're, they're large. There's like seven tribes of dragons and actually by the 15th book which is one i just reviewed there might be more now yeah but the 15th book is flames of hope so yes hope, flames of right? hope the, okay. the flames of hope and um that one centers on a particular dragon named luna and she's a silk wing mm-hmm. and a silk the silk wings can you know not only are they dragons but they can weave silks from their wrists and mm. she has a special ability where she can weave flame silk, you know, which burns. And she thinks, wow, I, I wonder what I could do with this particular ability. But the problem is 
the world at large is really kind of dark and nasty. There's mm-hmm. this there's this queen, Queen Wasp, who is somehow capturing the brains, the minds of these other dragons and causing and forcing them to do terrible things in the world. And so there's all this turmoil and chaos in the world. She wants to set it right and wants to see things be good where people can where where dragons can can love one another and and have a happy life but she doesn't know how she can do that because Mm. she you know she's just a just a mere dragon and uh, uh, and so in the context of this story though we find out that there is a dragon prophecy and she's a part of it in fact at some point, and I won't give anything away, but at some point she is dragged down into this abyss where this entity is... A literal abyss. This, an, a, a truly deep, dark abyss. And the, in fact, it's an area that humans actually worship whatever's down there. And so she's pulled down and we realize that she is the key to saving everyone. <laughs> that doesn't make you want to read it. There you go. <laughs> well, it, it does sound like a really compelling book. It right? is. I'm, I mean, it's. It, I, I won't say that it's. Um, it's probably not as active as some of the other books in the series. It's a little bit more slowly paced. But you really you care about the characters. You care about Luna. You care about the people around her or the dragons around her, I should say. And there are humans there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand. As much as the story is kind of compelling, there is, there are some other elements that, which you sort of alluded right, to. Right, right. So we've talked a little bit about the darkness, obviously. Yeah. That can be troubling. Right. But there's... But, but it's navigable. But it's navigable. I'd assume that there's violence you're going to deal with right. some of that stuff. Definitely. But there is another element where this has some more modern messages. Yeah, yeah. There are some contemporary elements in there. Um like same-sex attraction mm-hmm. is a part of it. Now these between are, dragons, yeah, right? Yeah, these are not necessarily mainstream elements, but mm. these are a part of the equation. For example, that we come upon uh, two male dragons who are in love and cuddling in the same hammock, that sort of thing. It, you know, it's we don't see anything graphic mm. uh, in terms of the storyline, but but we do see those elements. And and then there's also a non-gender element in there too where they the dragons come upon this tribe of humans that are all non-gender and they're uh, referred to as they and them. And they make sure that that's a part of the story as you go along. And there, those are some elements that parents might be uncomfortable with their sure. kids. Because they're elements that are injected in the story essentially to normalize those things mm-hmm. in a young kid's life. Yeah. And the fact is that we, we're seeing more and more of that anyway, especially in younger kids' things. Like these are children's books uh, that are sort of aimed at 9 to 12, okay? And, and you want to... There's a certain part of our culture that wants to push that agenda, especially to younger kids, yeah, yeah. Uh, because, of course, then they grow up and it's all normal for them. Yeah. You know? yeah, it seems interesting to me because probably within the last three or four years, we've been seeing m- much more of these content issues showing up, not in adult stuff yeah. but in kids tv yeah. shows kids books that kids type of movies thing. yeah and it really is all about sort of i don't want to say indoctrinating but but teaching kids about these i would say indoctrinating. Yeah, it is, it is, it is <laughs> very much that, yeah. that way and especially when it's not 
necessarily the the main thrust of the story. Right. It's just the the embellishments, the side yeah. quests or side stories, and it just becomes just part of the world. Yeah. 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 It seems like it's easier to navigate in some ways when you're talking about a TV show, you know, because you can watch along with your kids. The time commitment isn't as serious. When you're talking about kids bringing home books from the library. Especially very popular books. Very popular books that all their friends are talking about. How would you tell parents to sort of navigate these issues when it comes to books? Well, that is a challenging question Mm -hmm. because the fact is that you want... As a parent, you want to encourage kids to read, yeah. as we've been talking about today. You want to encourage reading, but on the other hand, you've got to be careful of what they're reading. And I think it, it really comes down to what we've said over and over as plugged inners, and that is that, uh, that it, it comes down to that communication level. And, and something that uh, Kristen has emulated often uh, in talking about her family and about her kids it comes down to how you communicate with your kids how you can talk to your kids how you can we as parents need to develop a flexible relationship sometimes i think as parents we have this iron-fisted you shall do things as i tell you (laughs) but but that doesn't really work Mm -hmm. you know it's there are times when you have to make demands there are other times when you have to communicate. You have to talk things through. You have to be able to look at these issues because they're not going to escape them. It's going to be there. Mm. But you have to look at these issues through a biblical perspective. And it's only when we have that kind of give and take with our kids, Mm -hmm. when we can ask questions and say, well, what do you think about this? And what does the Bible say about this? Mm -hmm. It's only when we have those kinds of relationships that there can be that give and take and there can be that kind of let me let me think about this and understand it. Yeah, yeah. Kristen, I know your kids are, are right at the age probably where you're reading aloud to them a lot. I am, yeah. Right? Yeah. And and that's a great opportunity to sort of do what what Mr. Hoos is talking about. Yeah. Where where you're able to engage with a book really with your kids and be able to sort of walk them through that. Is that is that is that something that you think you can emulate as time goes on as they grow older and they start reading uh, books on their own? Yes and no. I think it's a lot harder, just practically yeah. speaking. I think I remember bringing like the Twilight series home and Twilight gets a little risque in some of like the books. And I mean, I read all of them and I don't, I don't know, I don't ever remember my mom asking questions really about the books. But I do think it is important, like Hoos was saying, like families should, there should be conversations about like what is our worldview as a family? What do we believe? Um, some parameters in place, I think that's fair, but it will get a little more challenging, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Listen, thanks so much. Really appreciate this conversation. Uh, thanks. You bet. Now is the time to dive into a little game we like to call Name That Movie where we have to come up with what we think is a clever one or two sentence descriptor for a film, and the rest of us have to guess what it is. Hmm. And this week, in keeping with our theme, the movie has to be based on a book. Fun. Jonathan, I'm starting yeah. with you, just because I'm bitter that you win so many games. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I, I, uh, it's an accident. Uh, I'm naturally talented. (laughs) I I don't know about that, but here we go. Um, Okay, here we go. A group of friends go fishing, only to quickly realize they brought the wrong size boat. (laughs) Jaws. (laughs) Is it? 
best line in the movie, right, Paul? That was the best line in the movie. I didn't realize that was based on a book. Yeah, it was. Peter, Peter was Benchley. Yep. It was oh, a hit course. book before. Yes, yes, before yes, of course. Yep. And truly the best. I think when my daughter texts me, I hear Brody say, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> All right, Kristen, you're up. Okay, I think I'm ready. They're extinct now, but they used to eat you. Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah, see, that was easy. Wow. <laughs> I like that. That was that good. That was very nice. Thank They're you. They're extinct now, but they used, used to, to eat, eat you. you. I don't they know if technically that's true. but I mean, It is true. What do you mean? Me? Oh, never mind. Me oh. or my grandpa. That's what. <laughs> you, you, could, you could say it applies to 65, too. A movie oh, yeah. that just, uh, just Yeah, although out. that's not based on a book. Oh, that's true. So. Okay, forget it. But... Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hoos. All right, mine is... Um, he seeks tomorrow's enlightenment, but finds simple-minded beauty and hidden terrors. What? He seeks tomorrow's enlightenment, but finds simple-minded beauty and hidden terrors. Hmm, that is very I, difficult. I, I I'm going to need a hint for that. Uh, a Dracula. Hint? Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh. A hint, uh, 1937. <laughs> oh, 1937. Oh, I, I, I have no idea. H.G. Wells. Oh. oh. Time Machine? Yes. Ah, you got it. Very got good, it. Jonathan. Hoos. Wow, very nice. See, this is what I'm talking about. This, Way to go. Man, I tell you what, that was a good that book. That was good. I haven't seen yeah. the movie. Well, the book, I tell you. if There's if two movies. Any Anyone who yeah. has uh, <laughs> or has never heard that story. Don't watch the movies. The movies are okay. In Books fact, are in fact the early, Books are the early like the 1950-something version of the, or 60s version of the movie was good, but the book. Mm. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the Big Bang Theory episode where they actually get that time machine from the early movie is phenomenal, too. <laughs> All right, my turn. A young orphan falls in with the wrong crowd, but sings his way to happiness. If you had said her, I would have said yeah. I would have said Annie, little orphan yeah. Annie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Next clue, he was known for wanting more. Oh, oh, oh! Is it the circus one? Is that the book? No, it's not. <laughs> no, you are totally wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> A book called the circus. No, one? no, I forget the I forget the name. This is not wrong. helpful at all. Did, did Oliver Twist uh, sing? I don't was know. it Oliver Twist? Did he sing? Oliver. <laughs> Oliver. Oh, Oliver, yes, of yes, course, the musical. Yes, 1968 Best okay. Picture. Yeah, that's right. Good job, Jonathan. Yay, Jonathan. It was an accident. <laughs> but he but he doesn't sing in the book, does you, he? You win these games voraciously. I don't know if he sings in the book. I don't remember that. <laughs> All right. So thanks so much for joining us cover to cover on the Plugged In Show today. Now we'd like to turn the page and give you a chance to join in. Are you an avid reader? What's your favorite book? How do you encourage your kids to read? You can let us know on Facebook or Instagram, or you can write us a whole novel and send it to team at thepluggedinshow.com. And since we're talking so much about books today, it seems only fitting that we offer to give you one of our own. For a gift of any amount, we'll send you Jonathan McKee's own Parenting Generation screen. You can find that link to order the book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on our Plugged In blog entry for today's episode. Or call... 1-800-A-FAMILY. 
Thanks again for joining us today. We hope to meet up with you again soon for another episode of The Plugged In Show. Hey parents, Parent here. I don't know about you, but most parenting advice I've found is a lot like my son's favorite foods, just beans and hot dogs. It's bland and way too juvenile for how old he actually is. But Focus on the Family's weekly age and stage emails have biblical stuff that helps me be intentional as a parent. It's great, like a chef salad of parenting tips. If you want biblical, practical, and personal tips to your inbox, here's how. Go to MyKidsAge.com, put in your kid's age, and get weekly emails that make a difference.